0: and welcome back to the podcast series 4 episode 11. I do have a fair few guests lined up for you guys over the next few weeks so I thought I would use this opportunity to talk about the next step in my solo physique series that I've been doing. Following on from my fat loss and subsequent maintenance episodes the next physique topic to cover is of course hypertrophy. I just want to add here that like separating all these goals like that makes me cringe a bit because that's not actually how I like my clients to approach their physique goals. But I'm trying to keep this really digestible and understandable, which is why I'm separating them. But it goes without saying that if you have physique goals, it doesn't matter if you're in a fat loss phase or a maintenance phase or a building phase. Again, if you have physique goals, muscle hypertrophy should really be the focus of your training sessions and When we get into this episode, you'll see the the things that would also have to play quite a dominant role. Um, This is specifically muscle hypertrophy for physique. So I just wanna note that I think some people get a bit confused with like a strength goal, a performance goal. Um, This is specifically muscle building. Muscle hypertrophy or hypertrophy, as most people call it. I still haven't figured out if you can say both or if I'm just saying it wrong. Obviously, pronouncing words is not my strong suit, so just go with me on that. Muscle hypertrophy basically refers to growing your muscle tissue by increasing the size of your muscle cells. Now, there are three ways in which, as a coach, I try and help both myself and my clients achieve this physique goal. One, through resistance training two, via adequate protein intake, three, via rest and recovery. I'll go into more detail on all of the above in this episode, but you should note now that if you want to increase your muscle mass, training, protein intake, and rest days must be working in perfect harmony. So let's start with resistance training. Think of successful muscle hypertrophy as a process of stimulation and repair. Resistance training is the stimulation part of this equation. When we lift a heavy load, we put stress on the muscle, creating damage to said muscle. An immune system response is then triggered, leading to inflammation, and the cell repair process now begins. An hormonal response is also triggered by this load seeing both cortisol and testosterone regulate the muscle cell activity and further stimulate muscle hypertrophy and muscle protein synthesis. Let's just make this really easy and simple, okay? In short, lift a heavy load. This will be different for all of you, depending on your own strength and experience. To create a stimulus on the muscle, which then damages the muscle, forcing your body to go into what is essentially a necessity to grow the muscle. I hope that made sense. The next question would probably be, well, resistance training is a very broad term. What exactly do I need to do here? And this really will look different for all of you, depending on your own strength and your training experience. What I mean by that is that both intensity, and that means the weight that you can lift, and volume, and that means your sets and reps capabilities will vary from person to person depending on how strong they are and of course how much experience they have with resistance training so let's use a squat as an example if somebody is brand spanking new to resistance training and especially if they're carrying a lot of body fat on them which is added weight after all they might hit failure as in they cannot perform one more rep in a 10 to 20 rep range of unweighted squats This would be an adequate range for muscle hypertrophy. However, as this person gets stronger, we're going to need to increase this load from a body weight squat to maybe a weighted goblet squat, and then further down the line, a barbell back squat, for example, to continue to hit failure in that 10 to 20 rep range. Now let's talk about the term failure. I often tell newbie clients to lift to failure is, and they cannot perform one more rep. That's because newbies are, you guessed it, new to lifting and probably aren't that aware of what their actual failure is yet, what it feels like, and where it kind of starts to occur in a set. In fact, research has actually shown that newbies think that they hit failure a good fair few reps shy of their actual failure. You can listen to my uh, podcast episode with Eric Helms to hear more about that. But that's why telling newbies to lift to failure is actually perfect coaching advice because it's an easy instruction for them to execute. And technically, they probably are going to be a few reps shy of failure, which is actually where muscle hypertrophy is at its most optimal. If I have an advanced client, I will, of course, instruct for one to two reps in reserve. Another kind of good piece of advice would be to technical failure, where you can't perform one more rep with good form, even if you could kind of flail around and smash out a few more. But again, listen to my podcast episode with Eric Helms on this, because we do talk about that a lot. Now let's talk about the optimal sets and reps range for muscle hypertrophy. So I mentioned 10 to 20 reps of an unweighted squat in my example, which is absolutely in the hypertrophy range, but actually the range is far more broad than most people think. In fact, a five to 30 rep range is adequate re-muscle hypertrophy. However, for most clients, I will instruct a 5 to 15 rep range uh, or thereabouts, because quite frankly, I want them to get stronger and I don't want them in the gym for two hours hitting 30 reps a pop. The last thing that we should probably touch on retraining is progressive overload. When it comes to muscle hypertrophy specifically, we need to look at increasing volume more than intensity over time. However, and again, I'll redirect you to the Dr. Eric Helms' uh, podcast episode on this. In an ideal world, the two should really be working hand in hand. Let me give you an example of how I would coach for progressive overload. So let's go back to the bodyweight squat, for example. As soon as my client starts to exceed, let's say, 15 reps on any kind of weighted squat at all, I will tell them to up the weight something really incremental like somewhere between two to five kgs and let's start aiming for those 15 reps all over again this will ensure that over time they're going to get stronger and we're going to keep on top of their volume however i will also change my programming in that the more advanced the client becomes the more that we're going to start to play around with the amount of sets instructed so initially that would be kind of more sets per session so from three to four for example but as they continue to get more and more advanced obviously we're going to start to have to look at their weekly training frequency which is how many days a week they're in the gym and their weekly training splits which is are you doing body splits or are we doing push pull legs are we doing full bodies and we're going to start to probably get closer to that full body split to allow them to increase volume over time so as I kind of I gave you an example there in the beginning, this could be upping three sets to four sets. This would eventually turn into looking at training frequency throughout the course of the week and then training splits to allow for as much volume as we can get into the week as possible, while also allowing for rest and recovery. So again, as I said, a push pull legs would maybe become a three to five full body sessions a week, which would just allow you to hit your body parts with more volume over the course of the week. Okay, let's move on from training and talk about dietary protein. So, muscle protein synthesis is the body's process of building muscle protein. When you eat protein, it's digested and broken down into amino acids, which are then released back into circulation where they can be absorbed by lean tissue. There is actually a really nice way to think of this, which has been repeated for many years now and really helped me with learning uh, about MPS when I did my nutrition course, which is to think of muscle is a wall and every brick in the wall is an amino acid so muscle protein synthesis is the addition of new bricks to the wall now unfortunately it's not as simple as eat all the protein keep adding more bricks to the wall get bigger and bigger and bigger because on the other side of that wall is muscle protein breakdown which is constantly removing bricks Both MPS, muscle protein synthesis, and MPB, muscle protein breakdown, are constantly occurring. But if we can increase the rate at which one can exceed the other, then we know which side of the wall we're going to be hedging our bets on. So if hypertrophy is the goal, the net balance of muscle protein synthesis needs to exceed muscle protein breakdown which means you need to get your regular servings of dietary protein in throughout the course of the day to continue to spike MPS. This is where we come into contentious waters-ish. So there are different types of amino acids, some of which are made naturally by our bodies, and some of which need to be ingested via our dietary intake, hence why they are called essential amino acids, as in they're essential that we get them from our daily diet. Now, the amino acid specifically that spikes NPS is called leucine and we need roughly three grams of it a pop in order to do this. Different quantities of the amino acid leucine are found in different protein sources, but it is fair to say that roughly 20 to 30 grams of, say, a whey protein source will do the trick, whereas roughly 40 to 50 grams of, say, an animal protein source is needed in comparison. But at that point, you will have saturated the response. So there's absolutely no need for you to be aiming for 60, 70, 80 grams of protein per meal. No, it's not going to kill you. But is it necessary in terms of spiking MPS? Absolutely not. And also, it's expensive. And also, it's not great for the environment. That brings me really nicely onto how often should you be ingesting these protein-rich meals throughout the course of the day. So you might think, okay, I'll have my 20 to 50 grams of protein every hour to keep spiking MPS and keep that net balance high. But actually after saturating the response with one intake, there's what we call a protein refractory period, which essentially just means a non-response period. Research shows that eating your protein-rich meals anywhere between three and five hours apart is optimal re-spiking MPS. And any more regularly than that, again, is irrelevant, expensive, and again, not great for the environment. So this isn't a case of more is better. This is a case of at what point do I saturate the response? The last thing that we should touch on is how much should you cap your total daily protein intake at? The acceptable lower end in our industry seems to be about 1.8 grams per 1 kg of lean mass. So that is your mass without the body fat percentage added on. The higher end seems to be around 2.4 grams per 1 kg of lean mass. Having more than this has been studied up to 3.5 grams per 1 kg of lean mass, but it was shown to have no really substantial impact on spiking muscle protein synthesis which means that really keeping it in that 1.8 to 2.4 gram per one kg of lean mass is probably your best bet there are certain other factors that will determine where in that 1.8 to 2.4 bracket you should be sitting and they include age the older you are the more important not only protein intake becomes but also the more important resistance training becomes Uh, Your calorie intake, if you are on lower calories, if you're in a deficit, making sure that you're getting that higher end of protein so that you can really hold on to your muscle mass is incredibly important. And of course, your activity levels. You know, if you have a muscle building goal and you're running a marathon and you've got two kids that you run around after every day and you're a very active individual, we want you on the higher end of that bracket for the same reasons as kind of the lower calorie deficit, we wanna make sure that you are feeding and safeguarding your muscle mass. Okay, so now we've gone through resistance training and protein intake, let's talk about the final piece of the puzzle, which is rest and recovery. So with resistance training specifically, we talked about putting a load and therefore a stress on that muscle in order to cause damage to said muscle and subsequently incite hypertrophy to occur. That essentially is the initial stimulation requirement of successful muscle hypertrophy. But remember then that the next phase is repair. Protein is really both stimulation, re-spiking MPS, and repair in that it plays a huge role in repairing lean tissue damage but rest and recovery from your training really is the final requirement when it comes to that repair necessity essentially you want to give your body time to adapt to the stimulus that you are subjecting it to if you continue to train let's say quads seven days a week the damage is continuous and the repair is non-existent what we want to do is stimulate the muscle allow it to repair and then recreate that stimulus via training frequency throughout the course of the week and added volume, progressive overload as time goes by. The fitness fatigue model shows that the rate at which fatigue occurs exceeds the rate at which adaptation does, which is why rest days and even deload weeks en route should really play a role in your resistance training program. Now, again, I talked to Dr. Eric Helms about this, so do go back and listen to that episode. But we both are agreed that newbies really don't tend to need deload weeks that often and that a kind of nice guesstimate for them would be in that kind of twelfth week region. They might not even need it, but it's just a nice thing to do to allow your body to kind of recover. And then really when it comes to the more advanced you are, every anywhere between four to eight weeks is probably a really good idea. And again, just to touch a little bit more on deloads because I think it is quite important. Flags that you should look for that maybe it's time are your enjoyment of the gym is really plummeting. You're struggling to lift as heavy as you normally do. You're struggling with sleep. You're struggling with feelings of satiety. You have a general kind of lethargic feeling throughout the course of the day. You're getting ill. All of these things would suggest that maybe it's time that you pull back a bit and just lastly on the deload week thing i've had clients who i've instructed to take a full week away from lifting but i still want them to hit steps and if they want to do cardio that's fine no hit but any kind of low intensity uh, moderate intensity steady state can stay but when it comes to lifting if i really feel like they need a full week off that's fine you're not going to lose any muscle you might look like you've lost muscle because you'll have less of a pump but you're not going to lose any muscle taking a week away from resistance training so i really wouldn't worry about that but for anybody else who's looking to do it and not take a full week off it's a reduction in volume not intensity so it's a reduction in either the sets that you're doing at the gym or your training frequency throughout the course of the week but it's basically a weekly total reduction in volume your intensity can stay the same so you still lift the same weight that you would normally lift but it's the volume that comes down and typically it's anywhere between 30 to 70 percent of a reduction in volume so i honestly would just err on the side of caution if you feel like you need a deload week and i would do less but that's typically the bracket that's been shown to improve your recovery okay so now let's get back just to weekly rest days i typically will have my clients lifting Three to five days a week, and the remaining days of the week can either be active rest days, where steps are always non-negotiable. Seven days a week, I want that weekly step average where I want it. But if they like on these rest days from the gym, I'm more than happy for them to then do their steady or moderate state cardio. I really don't want people doing hit on rest days. It's uh, it really straddles that line between kind of the aerobic anaerobic threshold lifting and cut and I I just want to leave it alone it will impact on your recovery from the gym but if you want to do like steady to moderate state cardio I'm more than happy with that that's because the adaptations to kind of steady and moderate state cardio specifically and resistance training are markedly different so nobody's going to be impeding their recovery if they go for a two-hour walk on a rest day from the gym it's just that's not something which anybody needs to worry about. So that wraps up my hypertrophy episode and maybe we should do what we've done with the last ones and just quickly go through it. So the number one thing you need to be thinking about if you want to increase muscle hypertrophy is your resistance training. If you're a beginner, you might not even need to lift weight or you might be able to lift quote unquote baby weights and get a really good response But the more advanced you become, the more important it becomes that you continue to keep that stimulus on the muscle. And not only do you increase your intensity, which is your weight lifted, but also your volume over time. I talked about progressive overload and that really being important for, again, increasing muscle mass over time, but that really more being about volume than anything else. But I still really want my clients getting stronger in the gym. So I try and have both working in tandem, both the intensity and the volume. And I also talked about how the more advanced you get, you know, this could start with a simple three sets of, you know, five to 15 reps. But as the client gets more advanced, the sets might increase, the reps might increase. And then we start to look at kind of training frequency and training splits. So how many days a week are are they in the gym? And are the splits that they're doing optimal for increased volume. So if they're doing body splits five days a week, obviously, at some point, I'm probably going to want to change that to full bodies five days a week so that we can really hit that muscle more um, over the course of the week. The second thing we talked about was protein intake and how Protein is digested and amino acids are absorbed in the gut and released into the bloodstream uh, where they go to lean tissue. And I use the great analogy of thinking of um, muscle as a wall of amino acids, a a wall of bricks made up of amino acids and protein adding to that wall. But not to get too confused and think, okay, the more protein I eat, the bigger I'm going to get, because muscle protein breakdown is also occurring um, constantly. And really what you want to do is you just want to exceed the rate of muscle protein synthesis over the rate of muscle protein breakdown. I then talked about how getting your protein in every three to five hours is adequate, that you don't need to eat protein every hour. There is what we call a refractory period where that protein really is not having any response at all in the muscle. So not to think about that too much. And the same thing goes about protein per serving per meal. Anywhere really in that 20 to 50 grams is fine, the lower end being kind of like a direct whey source and the higher end of that bracket being more animal protein, but that you really don't need to exceed that because at that point you've saturated the response in the muscle and you're not going to fall ill and get kidney stones and have to go to hospital if you exceed 50 grams of protein per serving per meal. It's just just no real need for it, but um, it will be digested. There are a few processes of how your body gets rid of it. One of it, it just comes out in your ear and it's absolutely not going to be the death of you if you exceed your protein intake. And then we talk, talked about where to cap it at the end of the day. grams per 1 kg of lean mass being the lower end, 2.4 being the higher end. And defining factors that might tell you where to sit in that bracket, such as age, the older you are, the more protein that you do need. Calorie intake, the lower your calories, if you're really trying to safeguard your muscle mass and even, you know, God willing, hoping to build some, you need to be on that higher end. And for similar reasons, activity levels. If you are doing you know an iron man and a marathon and you're trying to build muscle and you have a physique goal obviously we need to keep you on the higher end of this protein intake we talked about uh the real upper end of 3.5 grams being studied but there not really being any concrete evidence that that increased muscle protein synthesis which is why you probably don't need to go Beyond 2.4. I personally have my clients doing two grams per one kg of lean mass. And the last thing we talked about was rest and recovery and how you really need to think about muscle hypertrophy as stimulus and repair. So the stimulus comes from both training and also protein intake. And the repair then comes from protein intake and then rest days. And that's why it is important to take rest days throughout the course of the week, during which you can still do cardio if you want. And also think about deload weeks because the fatigue your body will experience comparatively to the to the adaptation, it will exceed it. So it's it's always a good thing to have in mind rest and recovery. Um I personally train four or five days a week, and most people I would say in my industry who I look up to who have incredible physiques train three to five days a week on the progressive overload volume lifting area of things do go back and listen to my podcast with dr eric helms on the protein intake of things i think i touched on it with sophie medlin who is a fantastic dietitian who i'm sure a lot of you uh follow and potentially know of um so definitely go back and listen to that one and that does it for this episode of the podcast if you like this episode or any of them please guys will you like rate subscribe leave a review your reviews make me so happy um just so we can keep this podcast train rolling into health and fitness station (laughs) okay that does it for me i'm gonna go i hope you all have a lovely rest of your week Thank you for listening to today's episode of the podcast. Please make sure that you like, subscribe, and to follow wherever you get your podcasts to make sure you never miss an episode. If you're new to the podcast, please don't forget to catch up on series one, two, and three to learn even more about all the topics my guests and I cover from nutrition to fitness, physique results, and more. Sports Social Podcast Network.